that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman Whip. Is that really in the Bible? I don't know what you thought about this recent election. You know, I'm going to tell you, I honestly thought, and I told other people this, and I was so grateful that I was wrong. You know, there, have you ever noticed there are times when you are grateful that you were wrong, that being wrong can be a wonderful thing? It's a, it can be like a great gift sometimes. But I actually told people, and I believed it, that Hillary was going to win. I thought that as a nation that we were already at that tipping point. When I looked at the universities and the colleges and the professors in those colleges, when I looked at millennials and the way they think, uh, 30 years of being in business for myself and working Americans and working young people, all of that sort of led to an awareness that we were already at that tipping point to where we would sell America, the birthright nation, Manasseh, that had God's blessings upon it, the freedom that America had, the freedom of the birthright nation. I thought we were at that point where we would sell our freedom for socialism. And I truly believe that we were at that point. And for that reason, I thought Hillary was going to win. Now, I am grateful that I was wrong. Very, very, very grateful that I was wrong. But when I consider how close this election was, I mean, it was a close election when you think about it. I mean, here was a candidate, Hillary, the Hilda Beast, who had no charisma, no vision, no purpose, and basically people didn't want another four years of Obama's liberal thinking and failed leadership and policies. They didn't want that, and they rejected that. But in spite of that, of a person who had no, no, had nothing to offer, absolutely nothing to offer, the election was very close. And I want you to think about something else that I think is true. Had the Democrats not so stupidly insisted on their goddess, the Hildebeest, and instead focused on Bernie Sanders, you know, I honestly believe, had it been Bernie or Trump, I think Bernie would have won. The jig would have been up. We would have sold our freedom for socialism. You know, Bernie truthfully, at least he truthfully admitted that he was a socialist. Whereas, you know, Hillary is a progressive. The progressives don't actually, they're working towards socialism, but they don't, they sort of hide it. You know, but it's a gradual process of working into socialism. And of course, according to history, socialism always turns into communism. That's the end result of it. So I'm glad, very, very glad that Trump won. Now, my question, though, is this. What do you think is going to happen four or eight years from now? It's a scary thought. And if we came this close to one of the crappiest candidates for a president, Hillary, or as the scenario that I just said, that, that if Bernie, a devout socialist, I think he would have won. If we came this close, 
I'm telling you, America, the writing is on the wall. We will sell, you can put this in your pipe and smoke it, you, we will sell our birthright of freedom for socialism four or eight years from now. It's going to happen. So what I realized that God has graciously granted us a reprieve. I mean, God has granted us, graciously granted us, four or eight years of freedom of speech. God has granted Christians four or eight years of freedom. And my question is why? What are we supposed to do in those four or eight years? Now, I believe there is a message that Christians must hear today in the next four or eight years. And I don't like giving this message to Christians. I really don't. But here's the message. Revelation 18 and verse 4. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins, and that you receive not her plagues. Notice this. God, again, graciously looks at his, and he refers to them as his people. Christians all across the world. And he says, I want you to come out of her. Well, okay, come out of what? Come out of what? Well, let's take a look at it. Revelation 17 and verse 5. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Now, I am not by no means the first person that's ever said this. There are all kinds of theologians. There's all kinds of commentaries that you can read about who all agree that this is a reference to pagan Rome, the seven hills of Rome, uh, the seven mountains of Rome. That's a reference in the Bible. Revelation 17 and verse 9 says, And here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are the seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. And, you know, what this is a reference to coming out of is the, this mystery Babylon, uh, or religion of confusion, is none other, and again, I'm not the first to say this, is none other than the Catholic Church or the Catholic faith that we are to come out, that Christians are to come out of. Now, if you know anything about the Protestant Reformation, the Protestant, when I talk about Protestants, I'm talking about Christians, evangelicals, just putting them into a lump sum. But the Protestant Reformation supposedly came, was to come out of Catholicism. And instead of coming out, they adapted Catholicism, with the exception of the worship of idols. In other words, if you go into a mainstream Protestant church today, you're not going to see the idols you know, hanging on the wall and all the statues and all that stuff. You're not going to see that as you would in a Catholic church. But what the Protestants failed to do was to come out, and instead they adapted. Now, before I go into this, I want to look at the positive side. Most Christians, Protestants, whatever, evangelicals, believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and that's a good thing. Most Christians believe that Christ died for our sin, that God loves mankind so deeply most Christians understand the concept of grace, that grace is a free gift and it cannot be earned by works. And I think most Christians want a deeper relationship with God. 
Uh, how do you get a deeper relationship with God? Well, this is what the, your Bible says. It says, come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins, and that you receive not her plagues. Come again, come out of what? Well, again, let's go back in history to the Protestant Reformation that was supposed to come out of Catholicism, and instead they adapted much of their pagan beliefs and era in their teaching. The Protestant Reformation, I want to touch on some things they failed to come out of. The Protestant Reformation failed to come out of the day the Catholic Church made holy. What day is that? It is Sunday or Sunday worship. They didn't come out, the Protestant Reformation, they did not come out of the day that the Catholic Church had made holy the universal day of worship, which was Sunday. Now you might say, I can just hear someone say, well, what difference does it make what day you worship on? It's not about that. It's about keeping and honoring all 10 of God's commandments, which includes the fourth commandment, the Sabbath day. That's what it's about. Now, as a Christian, how can you stand there or sit there and say, well, the fourth commandment is not important? How can you say that only nine commandments are important? Yeah, I believe in keeping nine, but not, not all ten. See, this is the issue, keeping and honoring all ten of the commandments. The Sabbath was changed to Sunday by the Catholic Church. And it's something that they freely admit to. They don't apologize for it because they've got the whole Protestant world following in their footsteps. In fact, they think it's funny that when Protestants try to justify Sunday keeping, because they understand there is no scripture authority and admit, the Catholics admit that there is no scripture authority for Sunday keeping. Now, what they believe in, the Catholic Church, is the primacy of Peter, that Peter was the first pope. In other words, they, they miss totally screw up the scripture about binding and loosening. And they think that the church has the authority to bind this day, Sunday, as the official universal day of worship and to loose the fourth commandment, the Sabbath. Now, when Jesus talked about binding and loosening, he spoke to Peter. And again, the Catholics believe that Peter was the first pope. They believe in the primacy of Peter that that these accessions of Pope are passed down through all generations to one man to the next. All right. When Jesus said, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loose in heaven, this had nothing to do with binding and loosening God's law. If you believe that, you're an idiot. I mean, that's the bottom line. It's about administrative duties of the church is what this verse is about. So what the Pope has the, according to their faith, the authority to bind Sunday as the official universal day of worship and to loose the Sabbath as irrelevant, not important. Listen to this offer and I'll be right back. Does it matter which day you worship God on? The fourth commandment says, Six days shall you labor, but the seventh day of the week is God's Sabbath day. For nearly 2,000 years, people have disagreed about which day, Saturday or Sunday, is the Christian day of weekly worship. Is this an important issue, or does it really matter when the Christian performs his worship activities? The crux of the matter is simply this. 
Who are you obeying when you present yourself before God to worship Him? Get the facts by ordering Sunday Worship, How Sunday Worship Really Came About. Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia. 24151. Also, visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.org. You know, the Protestants adopted the same day of worship as the Catholic Church, which was Sunday, but they also adopted the pagan holidays to worship God, which is Christmas and Easter. They didn't come out of that either, the Protestant Reformation. Now, the Saturnalia, which was the Catholic Church, there was this winter festival that celebrated the shortest day of the year, the winter solstice, called this, it was a, a winter festival called the Saturnalia. It had nothing to do with religion whatsoever. It was a merrymaking, gift swapping, excessive drinking, sort of drunken orgy type of celebration. And the pagans loved it. They really did. I mean, they got into this big time, this Saturnalia festival. And the pagans loved it, and the Catholic Church looked at that festival and said, you know, if we could just give that a religious twist, we could get a lot of converts because so many pagans loved this celebration. Now, the Saturnalia had nothing to do with God, religion, or anything like that. It was pagan to the core. But what the church did, the Catholic Church did, is they took that festival and said, we'll call it Christ's Mass, we'll Christianize it. We'll call it Christ's Mass or Christmas, and we will say that Jesus was born on this day. That's how this pagan celebration of Christmas came in to the world and was adopted as a Christian thing. It's all about Jesus, right? Okay, well, the, the, the history of that comes directly from the Catholic Church, how it came to be. Then you have the Easter pagan holiday, which is the, the goddess uh, Istar, the, the goddess of fertility, fertility, excuse me, fertility, with the symbols of the egg, the symbols of the lily. The pagans looked at the lily and thought it looked like sexual intercourse uh, in action or in motion or something. I'm not sure how, how they looked at that. Uh, I need to look at a lily, Easter lily, but, and all the pagan symbols of the rabbit, the procreation, the process, symbols of life, all of this was added and fit into the resurrection of Jesus Christ. All of these pagan symbols were connected to that. And what's funny is that they didn't even bother to change the name of this pagan holiday, Easter or Istar. At least with the Saturnalia, they did change that pagan name to Christ's Mass or Christmas, but this one, they didn't even bother to change the name. They kept its pagan origins of that name, Easter, and connected it up to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, the celebration of these pagan holidays does not bring your children closer to God. If you don't hear anything else, hear these words. These pagan holidays do not bring your children closer to God. You know, I was talking to someone Someone was getting upset at me because I did a video on Halloween should not be in church. 
And they called me all kinds of bad names and said, you know, you said you've never been with a child in, in church and carved out a pumpkin and seen the, the excitement on their faces as you carve out a pumpkin, you know, in church at Halloween. And I, I tried to tell her that, you know, your children, while that may be cute right now, your children are going to grow up. They're, they're not going to stay little children. And they're going to grow up and they're going to become teenagers. And teenagers... You know, teenagers are pretty smart. They know when something's authentic or not. And they look at this, huh, Halloween in church. Nothing authentic about that. What's it doing in church? You know, a day that we all celebrate Satan, whatever. Why is that in the church? My parents' religion is a bunch of hogwash. It's not authentic. And so children leave the church when they grow up and become teenagers. Have you ever asked the question, why can't churches keep their kids? Well, I'm telling you why. Because a lot of what is taught in church is a pack of lies. And so we go to the Christmas celebration. Oh, it's so cute. You know, you got your children and all that, and they're getting all this material clutter in the stroll around the house. But, I mean, believe me, I used to keep Christmas 40 years ago when I was 12 years old. My parents tried to put Christ in Christmas. We would sit around the tree and read the Bible before we opened our gifts. But there was a disconnect there. It didn't make, you know, I wanted to open my gifts. I didn't give a rip about how, how does religion, how does Jesus fit into this? It didn't make, there was a disconnect there. And so children grow up and they say, huh, my parents lied to me about Santa Claus. They lied to me about reindeer. Maybe I need to check into this Jesus. Maybe they lied to me about that. I think I need to check into that also. Easter, Easter, you know, for 40 years, I thought a rabbit laid an egg. That's not an egg the thing is laying. So, you know, all this stuff that all these pagan symbols connect it with religion, connect it with religion, and it is, and I know you're not going to want to believe this, but it is a stench in the nostrils of God. Listen to this offer and I'll be right back. What kind of holidays will be kept when Jesus Christ returns to set up his kingdom on this earth? Will the traditional holidays of our society be kept? Or will God institute His holy days found in the pages of your Bible? Find the answer to this question by ordering your free magazine entitled, Seven Holy Days. The greatest story ever told is found hidden within God's holy days, like a mystery that goes deeper and deeper. So each holy day reveals a deeper understanding about the mysteries of God and what God is doing through mankind. Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, check us out on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.com. God hates the abandonment of his holy days for pagan holidays. God hates it. It's not pleasing to God. When you abandon the word of God, these are the feasts of Jehovah, and you keep your own pagan to the core holidays, God hates that kind of stuff. And Revelation 18 and verse 4 says, Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins, and that you receive not her plagues. This mystery religion that was created by the Catholic Church. Come out of her.
Now, do not misunderstand me. I am not at all saying Catholics are bad people. They are very good people. What I'm saying is many of you ignorantly are worshiping a religion called a mystery religion that cannot be backed up by your Bible. Its tenets, its doctrines, its theology cannot be backed up by the Bible. Therefore, it is a mystery religion that you need to come out of. Now, let's take a look at the characteristics of this mystery religion. Number one, Mary worship, which is really a strange thing. When I talk, oh, Mary worship, why, why would anybody do that? Mary worship was never a part of the original Christian faith. So where did it come from? Where did it come from? Well, Mary is viewed as the mother goddess, the Madonna, the queen of heaven. She is actually looked at as a mediator where prayers go up to her. She has a type of divinity and is worshipped. Mary worship, yes. Notice Luke in verse 1 and verse 46. And Mary said, my soul does magnify the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Notice, Mary refers to Christ as the God of her salvation. Now, if Mary needed a Savior, she was not a Savior herself. Jesus' divinity did not depend on Mary's uh, being a divine person. It just didn't. Another characteristic of this mystery religion is found in 1 Timothy 4 and verse 1. Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter days some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry. Now question, how do you take something that God has created Something that God looked at and said, it is very good. The first marriage occurred in the book of Genesis with Adam and Eve. How do you take something like that and say, oh, it's more holy not to be married? And, and I, do I need to discuss the abomination of priests who, because of this crazed concept that it's more right, righteous to be unmarried, have molested little boys. Do we even need to discuss this? The danger of this, the filth, the abomination that goes on in God's eyes because of this teaching. But we're dealing with the characteristics of this mystery religion that is an unmarried priesthood. Mystery religion, the characteristic of. What, another one is it claims the claim of infallibility, infallible leaders, I should say. Now, some of the titles of the popes in the past, let me just give you some. Most Holy Lord, High Priest, the Mouth of Jesus. Pope Leo XIII said this, he said, We hold upon earth the place of God Almighty. Another quote, the Pope is Christ in office. And a lot of these people believe that. They believe that. He is referred to as Holy Father, which is a blasphemous statement. Notice Matthew 23 and verse 9. And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. Anybody misunderstand that? Anybody doesn't have enough brain cells to figure that one out? The words of Jesus? 
You don't need religion. You need to go back to third grade education here if you don't understand that. That you don't call any man your holy father. Colossians 1 and verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Christ alone is the head of the church. For a man to be claimed to claim to be the head of the church in place of Christ, that is the spirit of Antichrist. Revelation 17 verse 5. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and, I, and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus when I saw her and wondered with great admiration. This false mystery religion is drunk with the blood of the saints. If you've never studied the Inquisition, if you've never read Fox's book of martyrs, you need to get educated. In the Middle Ages, those who rejected the false claim of the Pope were viewed as heretics. They were bitterly persecuted by the Roman Catholic Church. Men pondered long and hard in those days of what kind of torture would create the greatest pain. One instrument of torture was the rack. This process dis dislocated joints and caused great pain. Pinchers were used to tear out fingernails. The Iron Virgin was a hollow instrument the size of a woman. Knives were arranged in such a way under pressure that the accused were lacerated in its deadly embrace while the priest sprayed holy water on it. And the Latin words at the bottom said, Glory to the only God. While such tortures were being employed, priests would hold up crosses trying to get the heretics to recant. Some who rejected the teaching of the Roman church had molten lead poured in their ears and in their mouth. This false mystery religion is drunk with the blood of the saints. And again, I'm not saying that, you know, Catholics are bad people. That's not what I'm saying. Being good or being bad, that's not the issue. Being good is not the issue. The issue is you need to come out of this mystery religion. That's the issue. Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins and that you receive not her plagues. The Protestant Reformation failed to come out of Catholicism. Instead, they adopted and adapted much of its teaching of this church, this mystery religion. They adapted, they adopted Sunday worship. They adopted pagan holidays. And many of its false teachings, they adopted. And your, your Bible says, come out of her, my people. God still refers to you as his people. But you've got to can and come out of, you've got to can this mystery religion that you're involved in. Mystery religion. Mother of harlots that failed to come out of her. Referring to the Protestant Reformation. They didn't come out. I'm David Freeman, and that's what's really in your Bible. If you would like a free DVD recording of this program that you can share with friends and loved ones, write to Church of God Rocky Mount. 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. And be sure to mention the title of this program.